If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The Honda Classic. I am Ben Raza. That is not, as you can see, fantasy golf man Tim Frank. He's incognito this week, but we have special guest Eric Linquist. I'm very excited. We have not done a show together, my friend, and it's long overdue. I was going to say, this is a this is the first time on the merry-go-round, and uh, I'm excited to talk some golf. This is kind of my my traditional sport, and it's strange because I felt like I went from NBA to NFL, uh, getting ready for MLB, but man, it's it's nice to be in the golf streets with you. Yeah, and at, at you kind of uh, being humble there, you, you just mentioned it's your sport. You're an actual golfer, and as chat knows, that is not my forte. So I'm always it's always cool to do shows with like you or Jason because you can speak you know, as a player, you know, what you do on a course, whereas I, I don't mess around like that. You've certainly had your fair share of experience out there. And we've got a, I don't want to say a good one, but it's, it's a, it's an event and there's a lot of money up for grabs uh, chat. What's going on. I see all the regulars in there. Good to see you guys. Um, before we dive in, I do want to, you, you heard me complaining before the show, but I wanted to just ask you, did you catch some of the golf? Certainly JT took control late with what he does, just very impressive. Uh, Bryson, Rom, those guys kind of sputtered. What did you make of the players? Uh, I, I had a good week purely because I bet JT. Uh, well, I had, I had an helped. outright on him. I had an outright on Cantley. That didn't work out, obviously. I had a top 10 on Scott. That didn't work out. Uh, it's nice when you have some of those stronger field events because you can round your betting card out in a way that I normally wouldn't. Uh, I generally don't try to aim at the top like the top end. I'm not going for the Bryson's. I'm not going for the favorites uh, in a lot of events. I'm kind of like sitting in that mid range, but when you get JT at 20 to one or better, you are, or sorry, like 20 to one or better. You're looking at a a fantastic spot that I'm going to take just about every single time. And uh, kind of felt the same way about Cantlay too. I thought everything set up perfectly for him there uh, from a DFS angle as well. Uh, Somebody that just kind of buried me by not making that cut. Uh, but otherwise had a lot of Connors. I had no Bryson. That would have been fun. He kind of snuck his way uh, to the top there with that Eagle on 16 that kind of buried me DFS wise. But otherwise it felt like pretty good about my allocations. And uh, these are, these are the events that I tend to do a little bit better on where, where there's players that it's very, very top heavy in terms of the ownership. Uh, We can kind of find a couple of plays in this mid range, maybe some guys with some college pedigree that I can lean on a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the players itself is always a weird tournament. You see, more than most uh some big names go home and that's product of the water it's just a product of a weird course paul casey was my guy and you know you can look at it two ways if you would have told me he was going to come in fifth i probably would have taken it before the tournament it felt like a raw deal he had a quadruple bogey on thursday he had three water balls on sunday he missed an 18 inch putt it felt like he left some out there i'm sure a lot of guys can say that cost me in a big way he wasn't my only problem certainly uh, I was on the Cantley train he set up great I still believe he did he just didn't have it obviously and that that's really what happens but you know you were saying before the show and it's crazy to think about Augusta is looming I mean inside of a month 
it's a pretty crazy turnaround. And that is probably why we don't see as many guys here uh, as I thought. I thought it would be a stronger field. Yeah, it's it's the three week turnaround that we have here. The the Honda's kind of getting the shaft in terms of the scheduling. It's uh, you, you've seen the official world golf ranking just plummet every single year since like 2014. Um, it, it just seems like the, the strength of this field continually goes down. But again, that's, that's kind of what happens. This is also just a terrorizing golf course that I don't think a lot of the guys are like, uh, kicking their heels to go play, uh, definitely is going to hurt the scoring average at the end of the year. Not exactly a place that you're looking to go low, especially when you look at the weather forecast is as brutal as that's going to be for Thursday, Friday with the wind. Well, it's going to be a show, um, and we're going to get into that in one second. I do want to say, though, right off the top, our friends of the show, our sponsor of the show is Monkey Knife Fight, and they have their player propped base contest. Easy to play. Don't require a major time commitment that the other DFS sites require, and you can still be competitive. Uh, you're in charge of what you're doing with what you're picking, and it's not just PGA. They've got NBA, UFC, esports, soccer, all of those things, a lot of money up for grabs. So you go head over to monkeyknifefight.com, choose which game you want to play, your contest type, your buy-in, all the same parameters. And even better, when you sign up with the promo code AWESOMO, you get an instant first match deposit bonus up to $50. Sign up today. We're also, we are doing some really exciting things with the college basketball March Madness bracket over there. It is free. You will hear more about that uh, in the coming days. I got content on content on content on the is there is there like a pet peeve of yours with people turning into bracketologists this time of year where it's like out of the middle of nowhere you've been watching every single game you're betting iona on the weekends you know everybody inside out and now out of the middle of nowhere everybody knows everything yeah i mean that's the world we live in uh you know you would think it's like well that's great because i'm just gonna punish all these people in my bracket and then i pick like Abilene Christian and all hell breaks loose. So it's, it's a double-edged sword, but I will have plenty of content. I just did a show with Matt Kajeski and we're going to have so everything you need uh, for that. We have our package 2995 for that college basketball March Madness package, but you alluded to Eric and I'll give you the floor here. If you want to talk about what we're going to see at PGA national, Uh, this is a tough par 70. We see it difficult each and every year because of that wind. Do you anticipate kind of following in that same pattern? Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a tough one. This is going to be a cut line that you don't see very often. I think this is going to be definitely over par. I think that that's like almost a stone cold lock. Uh, it's just a question of how much. So uh, you're you're looking at another Pete Dye course coming back to back. Uh, another golf course that's just going to set up difficult with a bunch of water. Uh, it's an iron players kind of haven. Uh, if you get if you get struck uh, strokes gained uh, approach. Like that's going to be somebody that I'm going to be factoring into most of my models this week, making sure that I'm, I'm kind of emphasizing that uh, looking at guys who have great histories on Bermuda. You're kind of like, it, it's nice having the players here. I'm not going to factor in too many of the miscuts situation, because again, these are the kind of golf courses where the variance is just so much higher due to water, due to a bad shot here or there. That's just going to be so much more penal than it is on a regular golf course on tour. No doubt. I mean, you just alluded to the historic cut line here. I mean, even when it plays quote unquote easy, it's, it's like one over uh, when it's bad. You're, t- you're talking five, four, six. I mean, this is absolutely brutal. And I, I really do think, um, you know, it, it's one of these events off the tee. It doesn't look like you would want to be aggressive. It seems like a second shot course, but from there, they really do test you. And of course the approach game, 
you're gonna have to do it. But what I've kind of found and let me know where you're at on this, not that I go crazy with this stuff, but it seems like most because you're clubbing down, most of your iron shots are from longer distances. You're talking 150 plus upwards of 200. Is that something that you look at at a course like PGA National where where these actual shots are coming from? So this is something that I've found to be difficult because being a golfer myself, I've tried to factor in like, what's my take and my angle on certain things. I think the one thing it does is that if you are a bomber, you're able to hit a lot more irons off of some of these tees. You're able to like get the ball and thread it in play. Your longer irons aren't as long as they're going to be for a typical guy. You get into that bear trap um, specifically. And, and there's just so many demanding golf shots that you have to hit and hitting a longer club with a bunch of wind going on just isn't a whole lot of fun for some of those shorter hitters. So, I mean, not that driving distance is going to be something that's going to pop for you here, but I do like some of those guys like a Cameron Davis, who I wasn't really high on earlier until we talked yesterday, but a guy that, uh, just bombs the ball and, and plays and win some of those Australian guys. I'm going to talk about a lot of Europeans today too, that I'm, I'm very, very high on. I'm basically rostering a Ryder cup team today. So that'll be, that'll be exciting to get to, but, uh, there's, there's just going to be a lot of these guys that specialize in wind. Uh, it's because it is going to be high variance. I want to target some of those guys that I feel like are stronger iron players that can flight the ball a little bit differently. Uh, a Joaquin Neiman, who I, I, I'll just love uh, when, when he has to hit those low punches, like we saw in Hawaii, uh, pretty, pretty great Instagram. If you, if you go back and watch him hit those drivers off the deck in Hawaii. So a couple of those guys that are going to pop for me this week too. No doubt about it. This is a different type of golf and you know, we don't, we don't have all the big type players. So you're really looking at kind of what I like to do, which is skill set correlations and things like that. Um, if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get into it. we got a lot of golfers to talk about. Um, it's only going to get worse from here. So we got it. We got to do it now. 10. Yeah, let's dive. Let's just do it. Yeah. I'm ready to rock. All right. We got Sanjay. He's at 11. Berger is hurt. I know everyone's asking what the deal is. As of now, he is in the field. He's got a rib injury. Um, that's going to be interesting. Then we've got Lee Westwood at 10, six. Okay. Uh, Neiman at 10, four and Adam (laughs) Scott at 10, one. These are the best golfers in the field, but clearly, I think these are guys that we're normally seeing in, in maybe the low nines, high eights. In Lee Westwood's case, the high sixes. Uh, I don't really know what to say about that. But where do you go at the top of the board here? So I think ownership is going to show you right off the bat that Sung Jay and Berger are going to stick out. They're both Bermuda specialists, guys that that play very well on this grass type. Uh, that's something that matters a lot for your short game around the greens, um, being able to like have your 60 degree wedge and your 64 degree wedges, doing whatever you need to around the green to just get it up and down because you're going to be scrambling this week. You're going to hit some errant shots. You're going to hit in some uncomfortable places and you got to just find a way to make a number. Uh, it's going to be a grind. And if you're going to be competing, I, I can't imagine that this number uh, even like gets close to 10, 11, 12 under par for a winner. So, I mean, you're, you're just basically uh, you're, you're going to be grinding Thursday, Friday. Uh, I think Saturday should be pretty benign and Sunday's going to be rocky again uh, with some rain and some possible wind. Uh, but like at that top end, I really like burger. Um, it's, it's hard not to, but he's definitely going to be the highest owned player in this field. I believe, uh, as you're, as you're just kind of going through some of the stats there, it does freak me out hearing about the rib injury, but, uh, yeah. And I saw Jason Roslin over on Twitter, t- uh, freaking the people out being like, there's no way, there's no way that he's not withdrawing in this tournament. And I'm like, uh, okay, cool. So what are what are you going to do in this situation? Are you, I mean, obviously wake up early here on the West coast for me, make sure that I'm up at really 3 a.m. Yeah, really, really early. Uh, but what what's kind of your take on him specifically? 
So, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, ownership will tell the tale uh, in a lot of these situations. I think it's a really interesting situation. There is zero doubt in my mind that he would have and still possibly might be the highest owned golfer. But I'm wondering if it, if we get more noise about this, will that suppress ownership? If we hear absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. I kind of think it's a little interesting because some people will say, I- I'm so sick of the Louis Oosthuizen situation. I don't want to deal with this. I'll go to Neiman. I'll go to Sunjay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I respect that. I'd have more interest if we don't hear anything. Hopefully, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully we yeah. get clarification. It's, it's but, the same situation we saw with Tony Finau at the Masters. Yeah. He ends up ripping his ankle up. Ends up T uh, T third, I believe, uh, at the Masters that year after after dislocating his ankle, uh, removing his ankle from his shoe, basically. Yep. And then uh, you see you see with Jason Day all the time, where he's like a near scratch, and you're you're sitting in a situation where you're getting him at depressed ownership. I believe that happened at the Masters one year as well. So we do have a track record. Every every instance is different. Daniel Berger, I think, as long as he's not scratched before lock. Um, I, I have no problem going to him in any capacity. I would obviously have much more interest if people start coming off of him for the fear of getting that zero, because we've seen multiple times a miscut. Like you, you can just burn a couple of those lineups. I wouldn't really care. Uh, it's the same thing as a miscut. It's not like I would be winning anything with those anyway. So I'd be happy to roll the dice in, in a larger allocation of my lineups. Yeah. I mean, he's just built, we've seen him, you know, he's won at St. Jude's twice, par 70 Bermuda. Mm-hmm. This is, everything that you want outside that injury. So he has no reason my mindset. And listen, look at Justin Rose last week. Didn't ultimately, but he he has no reason to play here. He could easily take a week off. You would assume that he would be good to go. Uh, And we'll get clarity. Certainly tomorrow night, me and Jason will be breaking it down, but let's remove Berger from the equation here. Not that he's gone, but of these other guys, before we move to the nines, Neiman certainly hasn't excelled here, miscut in a 59th, but he hasn't missed a cut all year. He's handled Heritage. He's handled Valspar. Do you think that maybe he's primed to take a step forward in, in his third appearance here? I do. He, with young players, I try not to factor in too much course history in general. It's it's one of those things where they're just kind of getting their footing on a tour. We, we've seen the kind of capability that he has. It, he can turn it on any single given week. I try to factor in a little bit more with the course history uh, once you have a five, six, seven year sample size. But any given week, if you're if you're wayward on this golf course, you're not going to compete no matter what. It doesn't matter what kind of form you're in. It doesn't matter uh, what your what your history has been here. In a lot of ways, like you get wayward, you're going to shoot big numbers. This is just that kind of a golf course. Uh, a young player like him, he's just been in such good form uh, coming coming through the last couple of weeks. Uh, we saw the T two in, in Sony, uh, the Century Tournament Tournament of Champions. Again, those are both windy. Uh, tournaments in general both kind of set up in, similarly in my mind uh obviously a much easier golf course at Kapalua for the for the century tournament of champions but easier golf course there too over on uh, uh for the sony open but i i really do like his profile in wind i like his ability to to fight the golf ball to be able to do different things that most other guys can't uh just a reliable ball striker that i i think if he got hot with a putter could definitely compete and i think makes a, a better pivot off of those top two guys who i still expect to garner more ownership yeah sunday's the defending champ burger makes yep. sense i i like neiman um the thing that's always concerned me listen first of all he's 22 it seems like he's been around for five years mm-hmm. that's because he has he just started that <laughs> early um the chip around the green game was always what was the problem lately. It's been good. He's gained strokes gained around the green and five of six, and he lost one tenth of a stroke at the player. So it's really been solid 
you mentioned no matter how good you are with the ball striking, you're going to miss some greens here. Just being able to hopefully get up and down for par or limit, you know, a quad to a double that makes a difference. It makes a huge difference at the end. I really like Neiman in this spot. I probably am going to go there, but let's move down to the nines. Uh, Woodland's withdrawn. So he's gone. We've got Henley at 98. Gooch, who I didn't know was in the tournament till Sunday, played great. Lowry, Tringale, and Chris Kirk. So a weird range, only five guys. Anything stand out, or is this just kind of our next secondary uh, tier? So on my first stop on the Ryder Cup tour, uh, we got to go to Shane Lowry, okay. uh, a guy that I, I do kind of enjoy in this spot. Uh, where are my notes on him? I have a couple things. Yeah, so he kind of fits the mold of somebody that you kind of want to go to in this spot. Um, I, I really like his ability to fly the golf ball again, somebody who's played well in the win, obviously open champion. So, so there's definitely some pedigree that exists there for him. Uh, I like the fact that he's a member at the bears club uh, and which doesn't seem like a big deal. A lot of these European guys kind of settle in Florida. There's no state income tax. They're able to get down there and uh, kind of live their lives and, and practice. And it's, it's just kind of like a golfer haven for a lot of those guys. So uh, he's a member at the bears club. Uh, with a bunch of other professionals over there, used to the Bermuda, used to this kind of course conditions. Uh, I, I just like people like him, like Poulter, that that reside there, that kind of reside in Florida, that have a little bit more course history uh, just on, on this grass type. So I'm, I'm going to Shane Lowry in this range primarily. How about yourself? Yeah, Lowry's always tough for me just because he's someone that seems to turn it on randomly. He had shown absolutely no form and it wasn't just with the putter. He had lost with his irons in three straight and boom, he gained across the board at the players. Now, mm-hmm. I think we all know, as you mentioned, Shane Lowry is built for wind. He's built for winning at like minus seven, not minus 20. That's the type of, of golf he wants to play. God. So last year, Russell Henley came <laughs> in eighth here and that's impressive. But what's more impressive is he gained 10.6 strokes on the approach. He led the entire tournament in approach more than the winner, more than Sanjay. He just couldn't putt. Uh, I don't know where his game is at. He was not good last week. But do you look at that type of iron performance? And you mentioned right off the top, Bermuda putter. He is that Mm -hmm. iron player. He is that. Is this the type of guy that could get in the mix? I think he has a little bit of a block at the players. He's missed three. He had missed three straight cuts now there. He had missed in uh, 18, 19. 20 obviously got canceled, so that doesn't count, and 21. So he's missed three cuts in a row there. It's not a golf course he's typically played well at, which is strange because I feel like um, just being able to uh, craft his irons the way that he is, that he should be somebody who plays well. Him and Adam Scott are kind of products of being terrible off the tee lately. Like, if you had told me Adam Scott was going to be dead last in this field in strokes gained off the tee, I would have, I mean, I would have been floored to see that, but that's what happens when you go through researching golf, you find things that uh, kind of break the mold of like your, your preconceived notions. So Adam Scott has been terrible off the tee uh, for the last six weeks, a dead last in the field in that category over the last six weeks, Russell Henley, not much better uh, in that regard. So if he could start to find some fairways and just put himself in position to score, I would be all, all aboard that train. He's a Georgia Bulldog, a guy that uh, has shown pedigree. He won in Jacksonville on the Corn Ferry Tour I saw, uh, or the Web.com Tour back in 2012. A guy that I do think has the capability to have a ceiling on this grass type, has p- always played well on Bermuda. But yeah, I, I am a little concerned about him and Scott, just from the regards that they just got to find freaking fairways lately. Yeah, it is. It, it's tough because... One of the things that I always struggle with in Florida is you're going to find extremely polarizing strokes gain data because the punishment is water. 
and you yeah. hit a couple in the drink, you it's like, oh my God, the guy lost. Like, look at Benny on and we're going to get there. Look mm-hmm. at his approach numbers last week. Yeah, he lost like 10 strokes. We put four in the drink on 17. Obviously, that's going to be a factor. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping maybe taking the optimistic approach that someone like Russell Henley, it's a product of keep it out of the water mm-hmm. and you'll be fine. Lean on your irons, lean on your putter. Then you've got guys like Taylor Gooch, who clearly has an elevated price point because of an impressive finish at the players, a fifth place gain seven with the approach four with the putter Kirk looked, I mean, he, he fell back Sunday. It looked like he just kind of wore down. Are you indifferent to these guys or, or, or do you think they're overpriced kind of where do you fall with the rest of the range? I'm, I'm fine with both of them. Uh, neither one like really, really pops off the page for me. Obviously they, they both had decent finishes. You had the Kirk collapse there towards the end, uh, 79 on Sunday. So, uh, also a little loud, uh, in terms of like, you know, he had a much better week than, than what that ended up showing as, and Taylor Gooch, just a a guy who generally is a good ball striker. I think he kind of had a mediocre, I, it looked like on Sunday, he was just striping it, but, uh, kind of like a, an average week, I think from a ball striking perspective when I was going through some of that, but yeah, I, I don't really have a lean one way or another on those two, uh, both, both just fine. Uh, yeah, there's, there's really not a whole lot to add. You can, you can roster them to some extent, but I'm not going to be going way over the field by any means on either. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of indifferent. I think that, again, ownership will will determine some of this. Taylor Gooch, good player. I don't really, even in a field like this, I think uh, maybe a little to the premium. But, (laughs) you know, I say that and then I I look to this AK range and maybe I take that back. Here we go. Chad, Mm -hmm. it is time. Uh, It's time to do We got Ricky coming up, but it's time to hit the like button. Let's (sighs) pump up the likes, subscribe to the channel. You guys know the drill it really helps us out. And again, we have so many shows uh, coming up tomorrow night. You're going to see me and Matt Kajewski doing college basketball, our, our bracket show. We've got live before lock and, and certainly Eric and the crew in NBA, just killing it with the tip off show. Deeper dive live before lock the late, late night NBA. You've been doing uh, your West coast, getting those 10 o'clock games for me, the seven for you, but a lot, a lot of stuff. Here we go though. 8k range. I got to start right here. We're only going one player, then we'll get to the rest. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's overpriced, but I also am saying how. How could you click Ricky at this point? Uh, the only reason you could possibly click Ricky, I was I was trying to play devil's advocate because I was curious uh, what, what he was going to be kind of viewed at this week. So 2019, he lost in a three-man playoff on this exact same golf course. It was uh, Keith Mitchell winning, him and Brooks Kepka in the playoff. That is the only good thing that you can possibly say about Ricky Fowler right now is that uh, he played well here once because his current form is is so bad. Uh, he's he's basically priced on name recognition. There's no other way of looking at it. Uh, there's there's not a single thing that I can look at uh, in the data or in his previous uh, his recent history other than playing well at the Genesis. The Genesis also I'm going to let it be known has no water. <laughs> you have the, you have a golf course that doesn't really get in your head. I've played it I've played out at Riviera before and one thing that's very very nice is that you know obviously you need to hit fairways. It's it's a lot easier when you're just playing for for like uh, member play uh, when you're when you're going out and, and playing on a random Monday. But uh, for for the golf course the way they set it up, obviously it's still demanding off the tee. But there's a thing that exists when water's out there where it's just gonna it's gonna get in your head. Ricky Fowler just seems rattled. He doesn't seem remotely close to the guy that we know him to be in the past the only thing you could possibly say is that he played here once and played well uh do you have any other take besides that so a couple things one yeah at genesis he lost five strokes on the approach and he gained five strokes putting you might say oh well that's what ricky does 
That is not what he's done at all. He's lost in six of seven lately. So the putter's completely broken. The ball striking has been broken, and he's carried that to Florida. You look, the problem with Ricky, and we've seen this with guys, uh, Brendan Todd, probably the most extreme, you can't look at their old data because it's obviously not the same player. Ricky has a win at Honda. He's got a second at Honda. He's got a win at the players. He's done a ton of good in Florida. I don't think that's the same guy. If Ricky can get back to just being an okay ball striker and being the top three best putters in the world, well, he's going to yeah. be in great shape. There's nothing to to show that that's going to happen, though. Yeah, I'm cheering for him because he's he's a guy that. that I think excites the the golf fan va- fan base, and we're going to be looking for a lot of those guys here with uh, Tiger out for a while. But God, it's just not there. Yeah, it's it's been a struggle, and he's just. It seems at this point, and he's kind of alluded to this, that and it's a mental thing now where uh, the game is just not not there. So it's sad. I, I love Ricky, and we'll see. He's not, you know, everyone thought Spieth wouldn't get back, and he's playing much better. It's going to take some time, though. He won a member guest at Medalist at the end of last year, if that's exciting to anybody. Well, okay. <laughs> so he can, well, he can turn it on for one day and a member guest at, uh, at a golf, golf course that I think is a similar comp. But, God, he's, yeah, he's brutal. Yeah, showdown season for Ricky. Um, all right, we got the rest of the eight Ks. Doug Gim, who really flashed, and you know, tough, tough pairing with JT. Obviously, couldn't hold it together. Brendan Steele, you've already mentioned Cam Davis. Now we've got Matt Wallace, who's certainly built for this Keegan Kimers here. Okay, uh, for Telly Poulter, guys like that. So where do you do with this range? You've got your Europeans if you want to go there. So I'm looking at the one European. It's strange because the chat's blown up about Matt Wallace right now. And he's like the one European I don't have that much interest in. He's been living kind of a, uh, he's been living the high life with a good putter. Uh, he's just kind of been, been very streaky. Not a guy that I traditionally think of as like a phenomenal short game guy. Maybe I'm just got a preconceived notion of watching golf. That's not necessarily in the data, but what is in the data is he has been putting out of his mind recently. So uh, a guy that I'm not super high on uh, for this week, I know that he had a T18. He took the week off or I guess didn't qualify for the players, I suppose. Uh, but he, he played yeah. well at Bay Hill. Uh, I guarantee he's going to gain some traction as we get into Thursday, but uh, not a spot that I'm going. I do really like Cameron Davis, a guy who's generally a bomber, but again, you can hit shorter clubs out here and still get it in play, kind of maneuver your golf ball well around here. And Aussie is kind of a similar comp to some of the European guys. So I, I do like going to him in this range. Brandon Steele is going to be another guy that I, I'm going to be going to quite a bit. Um, right now, 35th strengths, uh, strokes gained off the tee. Um, I, I think that him, for him in general, just as long as he's getting it in play, uh, he's just He's got, he profiles as like a great grinder that I, I want to rely on. Seems to play well in some of these spots. And I know he's going to garner probably the most ownership, I would say, in the 8K range. I'm not sure if you agree with that or not. But uh, I think from a cash perspective, I think he would make the most sense here. Yeah, he hasn't missed a cut. And normally, you know, Steele, for right or wrong, I think some of the data bears this out. It's like a guy that, you know, you target during that swing season, you target out in California, gets wins at the Safeway. Then he kind of goes away uh, as we get here. But you know what? He's had some finishes. Certainly was good at Honda last year. And I, I don't mind that. Uh, I'll throw some support. I'm a Cam Davis fan. You know, people, Woodland is the guy who I always talk about with this. Just because you're uh, an aggressive hitter, if it's a short course, sometimes it forces you to club down. And that's a mm-hmm. good thing. Um, it mitigates your risk. And, and Cam Davis, I think, fits that bucket. Mm-hmm. And and you saw Gary Woodland. So for me, I, I was I got to go up and watch the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. 
watching Gary Woodland hit stingers. So I, he played at Kansas when I was at Iowa state and he was always like the guy in general, but the one thing that was really surprising, like watching him hit it on the range and then obviously playing in that specific U.S. Open, he hit so many two irons where other guys are banging drivers and just getting the ball in play and, and being able to maneuver the golf ball around a golf course where, yeah, you know, maybe you do get a little wayward with the driver here and there. But even in U.S. Open conditions or something, being able to just hit stingers, being able to find a way to get the ball in play, that's really the big advantageous part about being a bomber on a golf course like this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a something that's not talked about enough. Um, Matt Wallace is really interesting, only in the sense that I didn't think he would be garnering a lot of interest, and that doesn't seem to be the case. Chat just pointed this out. It's true. Yeah, he looked good at API. He missed the cut at Puerto Rico. He's really, I don't know. He hasn't that's done high anything. variance. Yeah, yeah. You, you I, don't want to be leaning on guys missing the cut in a like limited field garbage event. I'm not super sold on him. Again, is he in play? Yeah, obviously. Anyone with a pulse up here is in play. So I get it. I'm going to talk, though. What do you make of Fratelli? Who's, God, he's a tough guy, very erratic, but he did flash some form last week at the players, 22nd, but the irons were good for a change. He's he's just kind of one of those guys that has been waiting to pop. He did miss three cuts coming into into that players in general, which is kind of the thing that got me off of him. He's somebody that I think I've clicked the name of a lot in the past, but I I didn't have any of whatsoever last week. Um, But coming over from the European tour to here, uh, a guy that I'm expecting to to profile pretty well going forward, had a couple of like really low rounds out in Europe uh, from what I recall. Um, I I do like him and his pedigree Uh, was a great college player. But uh, yeah, I, I'm probably going to do something else in that range this week. I, I don't mind the play, but uh, I think going down even just 100 to Poulter feels a little bit more secure for me. Okay, yeah, Poulter, another guy you've mentioned, the uh, kind of the Florida, the English Florida contingent, and he is one of them. Last two guys in this range, and there are two guys that I've been playing a lot and lately really hasn't been paying off. Uh, so I might have to stop. Wyndham Clark really has lost it. I think that's going to have to be a wait and see. He was just, it's not there outside the putter, but Benny on to me is more interesting. He's liked this course in the past. Last week is a throwaway. He was one over par going to 17 and he made an 11. I mean, I don't really care. I, I preferred my bank account prefers that he didn't do that. But in the grand scheme of things, I think that's a lot different than bog- than doubling six straight holes. Uh, he had Correct. one hole and he lost it. And, and that's something that uh, I want to get better at finding a way to analyze going forward, especially in some of these golf courses, like every golf course in Florida, it seems like uh, finding a way to be able to extrapolate out those, those single event holes where, you know, you have like Rory on 18 or you have certain guys that just kind of lose the tournament, like lose sight of it uh, just on, on one single swing. And it's, it's crazy how it does kind of like uh, it it escalates in such a way on these Pete Dye golf courses that it doesn't in other places, like uh, a double turns into a quad really, really quickly. Yes. Can confirm from my uh, experience last week. No. And I I just, I look at that. I think that's easier for me to shake off and clearly it's going to mask ownership, but Benny on has loved this course. I think his ability, we talk about this all the time on this show, Normally, and I guess this is a thing, maybe I'm wrong, but normally to me, if you're a horrible putter, you're usually a pretty bad around the green player, but that's not him. He is a one of the best in the tour around the green. He just can't putt. And I think that does come in handy uh, specifically at this course. I like it. I, I, I really like him in this range. Uh, kind of gets a little bit above JT Post and above Russell Knox. Some some other guys that I do have interest in. Uh, Wyndham Clark, who I think is going to also garner a lot of ownership. 
uh, yeah, he's he's somebody that I think uh, could could really profile well here as well. Anything else in the eights, or do you want to get to uh, the Russell Knoxes of the world? I mean, world? did we talk about Keegan Bradley at all? Uh, I, was, I, I was trying not to. So that's I don't here. want to. He's he's going to be popular, which always freaks me out because these are the weeks that Keegan Bradley just pops, and I have none of him. I like playing him when he's lower owned. I hate playing him at chalk. He's he feels like he's going to get chalkier as the week goes on. You get some of these limited. Uh, it's not a limited field, excuse me, but like one of these weaker field events uh, where. He's gonna he's gonna look really really good on paper in certain ways, and I I, I don't want to do it. So I'm I'm glad that you're not on board either, so we can be miserable together. Yeah, I mean Keegan, listen, we we know what he does. He's a very very good ball striker. The putting it does flash at times, and he's actually mm-hmm. riding a hot putter. Credit to him lately on Bermuda, which is very atypical. Mm-hmm. But I think another guy that you have to be careful with, and his his course history does bear that out. Uh, he went and this is way back twelfth fourth twelfth. In his last five appearances, four missed cuts and a 49. So it just shows you're going to get the good and the bad with Keegan. He's lost strokes putting seven straight years here. I have a feeling we see a pretty typical Keegan where he's good with the ball striking, bad with the putter, and it leads to not much. I hope so. That would be great. Yeah, that would be great. Um, All right, let's do this. 7K range, a lot of names here. So we're going to have to dive in. Uh, and we're going to get to some guys, you know, chat brought up Richie Warinsky. I want to talk about him as we get lower, but let's start with Russell Knox, which AT Poston, Mackenzie Hughes. Sure. Why not? Brandon Wu, another name that flashed last year. Floor is yours in this upper sevens. Is there a couple guys that stand out? So I'm trying not to fall into the Brandon Wu trap. I'm not going to become over enamored by a T7 in Puerto Rico and like want to get on board with him. He was an amazing college player at Stanford. He's a guy that that has a lot of pedigree coming in, uh, was was phenomenal over on the Corn Ferry Tour. Now coming over, I, I do expect him to pop in some weeks. I just hope that it's not this week where he's going to actually be garnering some ownership. I kind of feel like, a, I don't know, JT Poston is a strange guy that I I absolutely love i'm enamored by him and it's strange because he's not a great ball striker a lot of the times he's lost a lot of uh, strokes gained approach over the last couple weeks he's riding a hot putter he's he's a guy who can get hot um but he won uh i believe it was the Wyndham in greensboro and this was also on bermuda it was also a short golf course uh he shot 62 in the final round it just completely balled out and and that i guess has always been kind of fresh in my mind on some of these smaller golf courses or not smaller but shorter golf courses where you were, were driving distance. Isn't like at an absolute premium, a guy who can get streaky uh, from time to time uh, with the, with the strokes gained approach. But uh, I, I always like clicking that name. He kind of feels like somebody that I, I would never want to miss the week that he goes off because I've been so invested in some of these bad turns, but also plus six through eight holes at the player's championship makes the cut and kind of like puts it together on the weekend. Like that kind of got me a little bit of excitement uh, coming into this week. So he was somebody that I definitely had circled. Uh, what do you kind of feel about him? because I, I feel like he's going to be a big part of my portfolio this week. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a J, I can, I can go to, okay. to that for him. He's the problem. Well, it's not a problem. I guess you mentioned this when you look at JT Poston, he just does it differently and different doesn't always mean bad. He's a pretty good off the tee player. He's an elite putter and he's a subpar iron player and mm-hmm. combination. That's what Bryson in a different way does. Bryson kills it off the tee and he kills it putting. And if you pair it, you win. Uh, Looking at JT Poston, winner at Wyndham, sixth at Heritage, eighth at Heritage, a 10th at Puerto Rico, 14th at RSM, 14th at OHL, 14th at Valspar. 
all of these coastals, par 70s, this mm-hmm. is the type of course. Now, you're not going to get anywhere if you're losing five, six strokes on the approach. That's not going to work. But if he's a flat zero in the approach, I would take that, uh, especially at this price tag. To me, last thing I'll say, and then I'll move on, is he really $1,400 worse than a guy like Taylor Gooch? To me, the answer is no. Um, and that's where I'll go. Brandon Wu is tough. I really don't have a strong take there. I think I'll roll those shares Two guys like Post and Knox. <laughs> what about Norin? I love him. Bad? Love him. So uh, he gives me he gives me anxiety watching him yeah, on a range. Right. He gives me absolute anxiety. The over the top uh, move. It, I find it impossible that he doesn't hit shanks uh, when he's when he's warming up. It's unbelievable that that over the top move that he has. But he is one of the most consistent ball strikers when he when he gets it going. Uh, somebody that. Man, I, I feel like he kind of pops on some of these like shorter courses a little bit too. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think I just have a little bit of a natural bias towards him. I, I like him as a grinder. I like his profile um, as, as a guy coming from Europe, a Swede that, again, I'm, if I'm going to be writing this Ryder Cup narrative, I'm just going to, I'm going to hammer a little Alex Norin there too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Norin's listen, you get the good with the bad. Clearly he, when he came over here, he was like, you know, in the top 10 in the world. Obviously, that was a product of the rankings being skewed to these European guys. He Mm -hmm. has shown probably not in that form anymore, but he thrives in this type of conditions. His second best finish ever on tour was at the Honda. Now, I tweeted this the other day. He made triple bogey three straight days on 18 over two tournaments. That's hard to do. Um, Impressive. it's, It's something with him now. He's an elite, elite short game player, and he's built for low conditions. He needs to play a little better in the ball striking. I definitely yeah. think he's in play though. No doubt about it. Uh, all right. So I'm just going to rattle off some names here in the mid sevens. And, you know, you let me know. We've got Hadwin, Wise, EVR, HV3, Luke List, Kate Cage, Lee. Okay. Michael Thompson, Patton Kazire, Norlander. I mean, a lot of different types of players. What is there a specific skill set? Is it kind mm-hmm. of team specific? How do you approach so many different types of players? So I'm going to be writing. Uh, I'm going to be writing with Pat and Kazire in this range. Uh, I feel pretty good about him. He's another one of those Sea Island guys. You've got Keith Mitchell, JT Poston, and him that all live in that Georgia community over by Davis Love, Bermuda Grass, similar coastal profile that we've been talking about. Kind of a great course fit. Somebody who kind of like uh, just is going to profile really well for me on Bermuda. Uh, so, so sitting at 7,500 made 12 of 13 cuts, uh, played okay at the players. Nothing super special. Didn't have a great, uh, final round shot 74 there to kind of skew it a little bit, but, uh, I feel pretty good about, uh, about getting him right last week. I'm going to try to ride it into a similar course, fit again, another Pete Dye golf course, another Bumidis specialist place. So I, I feel really good about having him kind of be my main target in this range right now. It's really wide open. I, I, I mean, you just look at these guys and I, I do think this is where you got to kind of look at what your team is lacking. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if there's made cut equity for any of these guys, but I do think some are a little more likely to get in. And then you've got the wild guys who we only see them a couple times in contention, but when they are, they tend to really get in contention and you'll sacrifice some, some made cut equity for some upside. Uh, Henrik, <laughs> Henrik Norlander is kind of the guy who sticks out for me the most, a guy who it's feast or famine so many times, played well at Torrey Pines, played well on some tougher golf courses. Maybe maybe taking some shots on him in that range isn't the worst thing, uh, worst thing you could ever do either. He was 
dangerously bad here last year, which <laughs> I, I don't, I, you know, I don't really worry about that. It was one event. Dangerously bad. Love. He had the rare, lost four strokes on the approach. No, lost six strokes on the approach, but he lost eight strokes with the short game. So I'm it, not even uh, mad. That's impressive. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of things. Um, then you've got, you know, Matt Jones, ZJ, Neesmith, Han, Mo- Ryan Moore. There we go. This is a name I want to talk about. Guy, major injury, came back, hadn't found form, has made two straight, 35th at the players last week. I'm in. Short short hitter, short irons, count, sign me up. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, we've only seen five events out of him this year, but we kind of know who he is historically. Like he can, he can get hot. I mean, I, I got to see him at the John Deere a couple of times, get really, really hot in person. Uh, I, I enjoy his, I enjoy his ability to just kind of put a, put a score together. UNLV profile. I, I love him in this range to, uh, for this week as well. Do you have any feel on, um, so Richard Orinsky is another interesting guy as we work down here. He, Really was good at API. Uh, the players, listen, that's a big step up. He lost four strokes putting. I'm not going to hold that against him. He was 17th last year here. He's a pretty good player, and I think the price is fair. Uh, 7200 to make a cut probably returns value. Agreed. I, I I think he's kind of a tough dude because I, I do expect him to to still get some kind of ownership coming off the T4 that he had at the Arnold yep. Palmer. At the Arnold Palmer. I can I can get to a little bit there. I I do believe he was one of biggest T uh, Big T's highest exposed players uh, for the Millie Maker as well. So go. maybe if you want to ride that narrative a little bit, if you're trying to get a little piece yourself, uh, you could you could go that direction. But uh, yeah, he's he's going to be no issue down there too. I do I did bring up Maverick McNeely the other week too uh, at Pebble Beach. Uh, obviously spiked an upside, got to second. Another guy that we is similar to the Hendrick Norlander, where he can pop on these random weeks. Uh, I, I have no problem. I would much rather have my guys have the ability to go out and win a golf tournament in this range. Uh, and I'll, I'll take, I'll take the good with the bad. So chat as usual, chat, just you're right ahead of the curve. I was about to ask for RCB and now it's going to look like I read friend of the show, Tokyo Swan's question. Um, but I want to ask you because, you know, you've, you talked about the European guys. You've talked about guys that fit when I picture that I do kind of see RCB, but what I don't picture is what, been going on he was fourth in abu dhabi in january pretty good the rest of the mid-east swing came here nothing at pebble eh, at the wgc 59th and that's a non-cut so where's the form and is he in that polter bucket for you yeah i tough abu dhabi is a decent enough golf tournament that i i (sighs) he's he's an impo i never get him right i just don't and Obviously getting him right, it, it won't take a whole lot to get leverage on the field by going to him. Like he's right now projected around 2%. I, I don't know what that'll get to by the end of the week. I'm happy to take some shots at this range on him. Uh, really no issue with with anything that we've seen uh, out of him in previous years. The problem is, yeah, his recent form has been bad over the last month and a half. But just even seeing that that fourth at Abu Dhabi kind of sticks out a little bit for me because that's that's a decent enough field, decent enough golf tournament where he does spike the upside, and now you're getting a weaker field than I would even assume that to be. Yeah, it's tough. Listen, I, I think it's so wide open here. If you want to put him in the player pool as a flyer, you're not going to need a ton to get over. Um, is he in cash? No. Is he a core play for me? No. Um, but this is a range devoid of reasonable options. Doc Redman has withdrawn. Don't play him. Last couple guys, and then we'll get to the cheapies. Bounce on out of here. I just want to say again, quickly tomorrow night, me and Jason Rosen will be talking weather, lineup construction, tee times, all those things. Uh, 
we've got a couple guys though. We've got Harry Higgs, my man, my uh, shirtless man here, Nick Taylor, Adam Long, <laughs> Tom Lewis, who talk about a random num- number generator. Good luck figuring that guy out. Is there anyone basically at flat seven that may round out a lineup or two? Harry Higgs had a great third round over at uh, over at the players. He kind of uh, he tried to get me a sweat for a showdown lineup. So I, I have some good vibes with your with your guy right there. Uh, probably one of the most fun guys to be following on tour boss. as well. Easiest easiest dude to cheer for in the entire world. However, hasn't been playing very well until that third round. Pretty much the only round that's popped in the last month and a half out of him too. Sure, take some shots on him. He's He's somebody that like, just even from a, a fun perspective, I'm happy to cheer for in a couple lineups, but not anybody that is going to be like a big part of my builds. Chez Reavy is garnering a little bit of ownership. Uh, had didn't, didn't make the cut at the players, but a guy that could pop in this kind of similar golf course, somebody that if you can spike an upside with the strokes gained approach, uh, definitely, definitely could be in play here too. Uh, Lucas Glover is always interesting to me at the flat seven. I, I feel like I'm overweight on him all the time. We know he's the ball striking specialist of the world. The guy can make a putt any given week. Uh, it could, it could spike. And as long as his wife's in a good mood, uh, he'll definitely play well here. Lucas Glover is someone that I just, it's tough because yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a lot of experience on tour and I think I sometimes overrate where he's actually at. It's been few and far between, and I, I've been over on him in, in quite a few spots Really, you know, this year has been absolutely nothing. Best finish at 39th, and that was in Puerto Rico. Um, maybe you reset expectations and you say, you know what? If you're going to give me a, a made cut here at 7K, that's going to get it done in a lot of regards. But him truly competing, I'm not sure we're really there. But again, it's a product of the range. Ches Revi is interesting. Definitely a good course for him. Harry Higgs is just the man, but uh, I, don't, really I don't know is. if I can pull the trigger phenomenal. there. Him, well, what was the PGA Tour profile thing where he was just like, oh yeah, I just drink vodka straight and go to bed. Like that's yes. that's what I do. Hey, it's a formula that works for him. Everyone's got their, uh, their process. So, all right, here we go. Sixes before we dive into the real cheapies and, and Jim Furyk. Uh, chat, if you could hit the like button, let's push us over. We got a good crew in here. Uh, again, thanks to my man right here for filling in. Fantasy Golf Man will be back, but we're we're gonna do some. Uh, I think we might get some three man boost. We're gonna change it up, Ooh. more golf content in the future, and again, plenty of March Madness coming at you. Uh, tournament package is live. So we've got cheapies, and clearly at a tournament like this, you know better than anyone, it's wide open. You're gonna get some guys down here that are gonna be in the mix. Jim Furyk at 6,900 is going to garner a lot of ownership relative to the range. Uh, my first question simply is, is it warranted? Are you going to buy into that? Yeah, he's he's probably, God, uh, from a safety perspective, if you're making cash lineups in this regard, like it's going to be hard to get away from him. Has been like one of the most consistent guys on tour forever, I would say. Uh, coming off a of T26 at, at the Genesis, he plays well in some of these windier conditions as well. He basically, I mean, I believe that 59 that he shot in Chicago might be like the greatest round of golf of all time. Uh, Just in terms of the way the rest of that field was set up. Uh, It was in a, it was in one of the playoff events and man, he's, he's one of those guys that has upside to to go along with his consistency. It's going to be hard not to have a lot of him 10 out of 10 made cuts four top tens uh, within the last 10 weeks. Uh, Obviously a couple of those on the champions tour. So, so write those off, but uh, his last four events on the PGA tour made every single cut. It's, it's going to be hard for me not to have some interest there, especially because the conditions are going to be bad. And I feel like that can kind of thin out for some other guys, but Jim Furyk is just a rock. 
Yeah, he's uh, and you're, it's amazing. I always say the same thing when we think of Jim Furyk. Like really consistent player, but no upside. Says the guy who's got a 59 and a 58. 58. Like yeah. so, it's just insane. Um, yeah, listen, uh, I if he's very popular in tournaments, I'll tell you right now, I will be underweight because I do think it's worth it to roll the dice there. Much stability if you're rounding out a lineup and you've got leverage. I think he's more likely to find a T30 than most in the same range. Uh, I assume because I, I always group these guys together. If you had to choose, you would go with the chalky fear over someone like Steve Stricker, who does a lot of the same thing, certainly uh, up there in age. Yeah, I I would just, I don't know. Stricker's, Stricker is phenomenal as well in a lot of ways. But yeah, I, I feel really good about Jim Furyk in this range. I mean, look at everybody else that you'd be rolling the dice with. Cameron Percy isn't somebody that I'm super enamored with. Uh, Denny McCarthy has had some flashes here of late, played well at the Arnold Palmer. I don't know what he finished with, but a guy that I, I think could possibly spike an upside as well in this spot. Christopher Ventura going down there a little bit cheaper. A guy okay. that I, I continue to be rocking with and just enjoying all of his missed cuts along the way because he just can't find the form that he had for a little bit towards the end of last year but again another great college player somebody that i am hoping can start to to put it together because i think he is going to be a very very talented player on tour yeah i mean just to speak to him he's another guy that well first of all he's another cowboy they produce Mm -hmm. him like you wouldn't believe but we we've seen this with i think morikawa and those guys have made it really tough that what happens if you don't come out and like win it's ah this guy He's no good. And it's, you know, the Justin Sues of the world, the Venturas, the Cam Davis. Hey, Doug Gim, for Doug God's Gim. sake. They're yeah. starting to find it. And you see it now with Gim and Cam Davis. They've taken real steps. Christoph Ventura is someone I, I still believe has plenty, plenty of time to really get into form. Now, what type of player he ultimately is in terms of if he is really good, is this the tournament for him? I don't know the answer to that just yet. I think that remains to be seen, but he does definitely has some upside uh, and a big range of outcomes. Yeah, I, I like he, put him in that bucket with Henrik Norlander and all those other guys that are just high variance. But when they when they pop, they're going to start winning golf tournaments before they're going to start uh, stringing together miscuts like they have been of late. All right. So this is obviously, you know, there, there's a lot of weird names down here. I do want to get one guy out of the way, though. I think we're going to do it pretty quickly. I assume that you have no interest in touching Henrik Stenson. I brought him up the other week. I, I <laughs> want to. I want to so bad. I just can't. He's broken. I I asked you specifically. I needed your advice because I was, I was kind of like caught between a rock and a hard place. I was like, if he's going to do it, he's going to play well at the players. He's going to kind of take off in this range. uh, And you're going to get him at sub 1%. But my Lord, has he just been so bad? I mean, the RSM, which is not even a real golf tournament, in my opinion, I I just try to factor that out of everything that I do. Uh, It's the only place that he's popped. I guess I, I was thinking, not the RSM, I was thinking of uh, out in uh, South Carolina. What am I thinking of? Harbortown. Uh, oh, Heritage, yeah. Yeah, Heritage. So that's that's the one that I was thinking of. Also RSB, I believe. So um, I, I'm pretty sure Henrik Stenson somebody that I'm going to get back on eventually. He's got to figure something out first. I got to see yes. like at least a glimpse of it because you're going to get him at under 7,500. And I, 
Maybe, maybe it's just me uh, half, half glass full where I think that he can put it back together. He's, he's fought the driver shanks before. He's fought some of these other putting issues before, and he's put it together and, and became an elite top 10 player in the world. But right now, it seems like he's more invested in family time. And it's going to be hard for, hard for me to get on board right now. Yeah, I mean, it, can he have another run in him? Possibly. But I, if, if Henrik Stenson wins this week and I didn't play him, I have to just live with that. That's the share that I could roll to numerous guys down here. Um, depending on what you're looking at, you got some short hitters. You've got the Graysons of the world. You've mentioned Ventura. Um, Can you talk to me about Bo Hogue a little bit? Uh, A guy that I'm not really getting a feel for right now, but I think he does garner the highest win equity out of everybody in this like below 6,700 range. Uh, our man behind the glass, Bo Hogue, uh, he'll have something to say with him. Check out me and Josh's contenders video. Not to, right. but we've been, uh, we've been in good form. A lot of winners, a lot of near winners, a lot of top fives, a lot of top tens. So that video will be posted on YouTube, certainly by Wednesday morning and go check that out. But this is a guy, I'll be honest, not super familiar with his game. He's relatively a journeyman. Right now, Tita Green, he's been very consistent, went to the players, missed the cut. I'm not going to hold that against guys. He's 0 for 2 here. It's not great, but one of those was in 2012. That's gone. So really just one appearance. Uh, I've seen the name and I I get where people are going. I'll be honest, for me, uh, there's just too many other guys in the same range. And, you know, prioritizing which one is going to be difficult but to me, I'd rather go to Scott Scallings. That's one of them. Uh, gained in the irons in five straight. You've got Shelton there. Hadley is there. And then you've got a million other flyers. So I think it's you got to be careful down here. You don't want to take 50 guys. But you can dabble in the low sixes, in my opinion. I'll probably dabble with some Sung Kang. Okay, I'm, Sung Kang. I'm a, I'm a sicko. Uh, I, so I was 15 years old. I was playing in the uh, U.S. Junior Amateur out in Columbia Country Club, out in Chevy Chase, Maryland. And the largest calves I've ever seen in my entire life were Sung Kang. And I'm pretty sure from that moment on, he was he was like a guy that as soon as he got on tour, I was like, I need to have a little. I need to have a little every single week. So 6,300, he's my calf play of the week. See, this is why we have you on the show. Is it? Uh, I wanted stroke, to really contribute. Strokes gain calf muscles is something that I don't have in the model. Uh, and yeah. maybe I Phil's should. obviously at the top. And then you got Sung Kang, number two, for sure. Phil um chad did ask me about vj singh like i i just you know besides that random finish here there's nothing to say that he would play well and although if you're in a jam the last thing i'll say we got a couple minutes here before we bounce on out but obviously stay tuned nba content coming up everything that you need all day here at awesome o um we talk a lot on this show about what you're doing in terms of paying up if you click a 6k guy and that means that you can get Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, and John Rahm in the same lineup. It's like, wow, what a great, you know what? I can sacrifice a guy. If you click in a 6K guy here, that means that you can get Lee Westwood and maybe Daniel Berger and Sun JM. Like, what are you really paying up for? I, I think that's misguided and it's not enough reward for the risk. Absolutely agreed. Because I mean, we're we're going to have two or three guys that stick out above the rest on on a smaller field like this. Obviously, you can just see it in the win probabilities. You can see it in the betting markets uh, that, you know, M. Berger, 
uh, Westwood, all those guys are going to be popping substantially more, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be automatic top five, top 10 guys in this spot. Like maybe one of them can slip through the cracks, but I don't think it's just a foregone conclusion that you're paying up for, for some kind of security there. Uh, they're, they're not nearly as secure as what a JT would be as what a Bryson DeChambeau is proven to be. So there, that just doesn't exist on this slate. I would much rather have done that last week at the players where you have a deep field and you have guys who can pop from the six K range rather than this week. It's a perfect way to round out this show. We did it. We went through it. It's the Honda classic. It's not the best field, but you know what? There's a lot of money up for grabs. Uh, definitely going to try to correlate plays. Yes, absolutely. What style? Guys that club down off the tee, ball strikers, maybe some around the green, like Norin types, Benny on types, uh, maybe just all bad players start with like Wise and Grayson, you know, get a, get a little feel for it. But you know what? We're going to talk all that tomorrow night, me and Jason Roslin. But again, just want to say thanks to Eric for hopping on with me. Chat, thanks for you guys. Always make this show fun. Hit the like button. Hit us up on Twitter. Give us a follow. You got any questions, we will be here answering questions in Slack. You know the drill. Thanks to Josh. Good luck, everyone. Talk to you tomorrow night.